Come to me, all you who are burdened, all you who are exhausted, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So says Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 to the band of disciples who have been following him all this time. And let's face it, if one were to do a quick inventory of all of those who did initially come to Jesus, one would quickly realize that almost all of those were burdened and exhausted. The poor and the oppressed flocked to him. The prostitutes and the pariahs, the hungry and the hopeless, the sickly and the social outcasts, burdened, exhausted, heavy laden, all of these and so many others like them flocked to this man Jesus. But not only them, but many of the other well-to-do flocked to Jesus too. Consider Nicodemus, or the rich young ruler, or the community leader, Jairus, or the numerous other well-positioned folks who, despite their money and their social status, nonetheless were still burdened, were still exhausted, were still heavy laden, and thus were looking for rest. It's one of the most remarkable things about the man depicted across the four Gospels, when you really think about it, that the man appealed to the deepest needs of everyone, rich or poor, powerful or powerless, healthy or sick, well-educated or barely educated at all. Here in this man, people from all backgrounds and circumstances saw something that appealed to them. Something they wanted, something they needed. And here now in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus puts his finger on what that something is. Come to me, he says, all of you who are burdened. All of you who are exhausted, all of you who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. There's perhaps no more consequential sentence in the entire scripture. For who among us is not in urgent need? of rest. While circumstances no doubt differ and while some are in need of rest for far more pressing and profound reasons than others, still all of us at different times in our lives find ourselves in need of rest. Not just sleep rest, not just take off a day to recuperate rest, but existential rest, in need of an infusion of peace and calm and security at the very core of our souls, at the marrow of our being, 
And that is what Jesus is saying of himself and of his way here. Come to me, all of you who find yourselves in this situation of emptiness and lack and need, and I will supply what you need. Come to me and I will give you rest. What a precious promise. And what a precious sight it is to see that promise born out. Let me tell you a story. Let me begin the story by saying this. I feel that I have in the last few weeks given my grandpa short shrift. Meaning I've told two stories lately about my grandfather, my mom's dad, But I have not mentioned at all in that time of how my dad's dad, my grandpa, was and remains co-equal to my grandfather in terms of hero status for me. I'm one of those deeply blessed people who had the great fortune of having two amazing grandfathers. And in the last few weeks, I've only told you about one of them. Well, today's story is about the other. His name was Colonel Douglas Felix Carty, and I won't belabor the story to give you the details of his CV, but suffice it to say that after a decorated career in the United States Air Force, stationed in Germany as a colonel in World War II, he spent the last four decades of his life engaged in Christian ministry. He was a wonderful teacher and an even more wonderful man. And his influence on me and on my own life cannot possibly be more overstated. He died in 2013 at the age of 93, and I miss him terribly to this day. And I could go on all day with stories about my grandpa, about things he accomplished in his life, and about things that he taught me, but for our purposes today, I want instead simply to tell you about the very end of his life, about those final hours before he slipped from this life into the next. So he'd been in hospice care for weeks by that point, begging us all the while to let him come home so that he could die in his own bed. And so it was that a day before what would turn out to be his final day, we were able to work things out to bring him home where he wanted to be. Okay, so here's precious memory number one. When he was wheeled into his house and positioned on his bed with a view to see out the window into the woods just outside the bedroom, I was right there with him and he said to me, his voice Weak and whispery, he said to me, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Well, that was on a Monday. The following morning, I received a call that if I wanted to come see him a final time, then I'd better hurry over because he was now in and out of lucidity and the nurse thought it quite likely that he would pass in the next few hours. So I jumped in my car and I rushed over to his house where several of my aunts and uncles and where my mom and my dad were all gathered around his bed. 
And sure enough, he was out of it. No matter how I squeezed his hand or called his name, he couldn't break through the fog to open his eyes and to register that it was me. And so I sat down beside his bed and I waited for what I did not know. But then suddenly, perhaps an hour later, I looked up and lo and behold, he was just staring at me. And shocked by seeing him that wide-eyed, seeing him that seemingly alert, I said to him, Grandpa, can you understand me? And he made that which best amounted to a nod. And so immediately I stood and I took his hand and I said, and this is verbatim because I think about it all the time. I said to him, Grandpa, I need you to know that all that I am, that all that I believe, that all that I hold most true, that all I do in my ministry is because of you. And I need you to know that I will never stop and that I love you and that I will miss you and that I will see you soon. And as I finished, I felt his hand attempt to squeeze my own. And then his eyes shut and again, he was impossible for me to reach. And so then that was precious memory number two. Here now is precious memory number three and ultimately my reason for telling you this story this morning. Over the course of the next six hours or so, other cousins and aunts and uncles and all form of family arrived. And so it was that as the hour grew late, and as we sat there in silence waiting, in fact, as we sat there silently urging him onward across the finish line, suddenly one of my uncles broke the silence, his voice shaky but beautiful, singing these words. Precious Lord, take my hand. And then my uncle paused to see what the rest of us would do. At which point my mom, who as we established last week has a beautiful voice, then picked up the song singing, Lead me on, help me stand. And then without any other prompting, the rest of us in that room, a baker's dozen of us, with no hymnal, no instrumental accompaniment, nothing, joined them to sing, I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. It wasn't long after that that he passed away. And so it is that any time I hear this old hymn, I find myself transported back to that room and back to that moment where this highly decorated war veteran and this once larger-than-life personality lay empty and desiccated and drained, 
and we, his family, sang him across the finish line and back to wholeness. And therefore, every time I do sing this hymn and thus recollect that moment, I always hear underneath the words I'm singing, the words of Jesus himself saying to all with ears to hear, come to me, all you who are burdened and exhausted and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I know that Cindy Hughes can relate to this story. And I know this because she sent me a note telling me a story that is almost identical to the one I've just told. In response to my request for favorite hymns from our membership and for stories explaining why these hymns are particularly meaningful to you, Cindy wrote to me saying this, Growing up in a Southern Baptist church where my daddy was music minister for 36 years, I was exposed to many beautiful hymns, but my favorite is Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Cindy then goes on to say, I was first introduced to the hymn on Wednesday nights. Once a month, the older children and youth would climb on the church bus and go visit a local nursing home to sing for residents in their commons room. We would have a lineup of traditional hymns prepared, but inevitably, if it wasn't already on the list, a feeble voice would call out and request, Precious Lord. We sang it so often that I soon had it memorized. And to this day, I can remember the lyrics. Lyrics that speak of death and dying and of going home. It always seemed fitting to sing and offer that comfort to those nursing home residents. Years later, she then went on, in 2010, I traveled from Anderson, South Carolina to Knoxville to keep vigil at the hospital bedside of my mother. As her body shut down and as she became unresponsive, I sat and I talked and I sang in her hospital room. And then in the wee hours of the morning, I saw her eyelids flutter when I sang Precious Lord. She died June 2nd. Hard to believe it's now been 10 years. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, help me stand, for I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. So many stories we as Christ followers have attached to this old hymn. So many memories. And so much to glean from the hymn as it pertains to strength through trial and hope for deliverance. 
For it is a song of sorrow and agony, yes, but it is also a song of comfort and of hope. And that is a profound combination of emotional effectiveness. And that is why Precious Lord is a song sung not only at deathbed vigils, but also at vigils in response to grave injustices. Like the vigils and the demonstrations we see taking place across our country this very moment. For Precious Lord is a song sung not only at times of physical death, but also at times when we as human beings feel like we are dying inside. Times when exhaustion and despair have our humanity crying out with the psalmist, How long, O Lord? Which means that Precious Lord is a perfectly fitting song for us right now amid the ongoing and seemingly ever-worsening coronavirus crisis. For three months into this experience, worn down by the sense of alienation from others, meanwhile the infection rate getting worse, not better, three months into this, we are all lonely and drained, physically tired and emotionally spent. Every one of us burdened in some way, exhausted, heavy laden. And thus it seems to me that there could be no more fitting song for us as faithful people to sing today than a song that bespeaks our present sorrow and despair, yet one that nonetheless pines for comfort and hope Two. And so as I close this sermon now, and as we close this service, I can think of no more fitting thing for me to say, and I can think of no more fitting thing for us to sing in response than those simple words that my family sang at my grandpa's deathbed and that Cindy Hughes sang at her mother's. Precious Lord, take our hands. Lead us on and help us stand. For we are tired. We are weak. We are worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead us on to the light. Take our hands, precious Lord. Lead us home. Dear family, 2,000 years later, we are no different than those crowds who first saw something in the man named Jesus. For 2,000 years later, we too pine for the existential rest that he offers. So let us believe him then when he calls to us across the years, saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Amen.